morning again. If you would please turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. I'll be reading Hebrews chapter 11 verses 28 and 29. By faith he, Moses, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, instructive, life-giving word to us this morning. Let's pray. Father, bring us back to this most central moment in all of history. Bring us back to this beautiful painting and a picture that you drew with your own hands with your people Israel in Egypt. For your son was slain before the foundation of the world. May we see him all the more clearly this morning in this text to the glory of his name. Amen. I don't, I think it's been at least, I don't know, eight weeks, nine weeks on the topic of faith because we have been in the chapter of faith, Hebrews 11, for that long. And there's a different angle that the Lord gives us as we move through it about faith. And this morning's lesson is simple and it's clear. Faith overcomes massive problems. And this morning, two massive problems. First, the problem of God's impending judgment. Faith overcomes that. Having been delivered from God, that same faith overcomes problems and obstacles throughout the Christian life. So first, it's right there in verse 28. Faith, just foundationally, it trusts in God's sacrifice for the deliverance from His judgment. Let's read it. By faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, he and they sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So, remember the story. God 
through Moses, has already brought nine horrendous plagues upon Egypt, the frogs and the gnats and the flies and all the cattle die and hail and boils and locusts and darkness. And now God gave instructions to Moses for how Israel was to observe the Passover. Where God promised to pass over Egypt and kill the firstborn son of every home. And where God promised, if you do what I say and you apply the blood to your doorpost and that header above it, the lintel, the death angel will pass over and judgment won't come to that house. The heart of the celebration was the killing, the sacrificing of the lamb or of the goat, unblemished, one year old. And then its blood was to be painted on the doorpost in the lintel of each home. And God warned, judgment is coming. I'm going to kill every firstborn male in every home in Egypt that is not smeared with the blood. Here's a taste from Exodus 12, verses 12 to 13. For I, God, Yahweh, will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am Yahweh. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The New Testament is crystal clear that Jesus is the Passover lamb. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 5, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And it was at the Passover meal, celebration of what happened historically with Israel, that Jesus took the bread and he took the cup and he said, this is my blood and my body sacrificed for you when he instituted the Lord's Supper. By faith, Moses trusted God's direction, as silly as it may have sounded. And by faith, we are to trust God's direction concerning the Passover Lamb of God. So first, let's look at verse 28 and notice three direct applications to us today. 
First, God's impending judgment. Secondly, God has made a provision of a substitute. And thirdly, you must apply the blood of the substitute. First, God's impending, coming, sure, nearer than everyone thinks judgment, it is hangs over everybody in this world. For them, God's judgment was coming. It was coming not just upon the Egyptians, but upon Jews also. Unless they obeyed and applied the blood to their doorpost. Being a Jew by birth would not have spared any of them. Being today a decent, hardworking person would not get anyone off the hook. Each home had to apply the blood of that lamb or of that goat just as God commanded, or they would have suffered His judgment. Romans 3 is clear. Every human being, every person, Jew, or Gentile has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person is born alienated from God. And when Paul writes to the church, Jesus' people, those who once were alienated and now have been reconciled to God through the blood of Christ, he says this about them, or any of us in here, among whom, those who are still alienated, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. Which means, so whether a, a person admits that reality to themselves or not, we're all born hostile to God. We create all kinds of religions to satisfy our, our minds through that terrible journey of this life. But we are hostile to the one true God by nature. And every human being born in this world who is still in sin is one heartbeat away from eternal justice coming down upon them. Now, I know. What I just said, in our day and age, there are many, many Christians who do not like that truth. They stumble over the idea that a loving God would bring justice upon people who have never heard about the sacrificial blood of the Lamb. Moses warned the Hebrews, Israel, God's people, 
about the death of the firstborn that's coming and what to do to avoid it. He did not warn the Egyptians. A man-centered philosophy or theology it, 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 it takes what I just said, it is, look, maybe it was okay for, for God to strike down Pharaoh's firstborn because he hardened his heart with the knowledge that Moses kept bringing to him again and again and again. But it was unfair for God to kill the sons of all the Egyptians. how it goes. But I'm going to read again from Exodus chapter 11 verses 4 to 7. And so Moses said, Thus says Yahweh, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again, so that you may know that Yahweh makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. He brought judgment on every Egyptian home in order to make a distinction between Egypt and his people. Israel. And the accusation that God's not fair to judge sinners, when you hear that, all that is doing is minimizing the holiness of God. And it is minimizing the nature of sin in every person on earth. God would be perfectly just to send every single one of us in this room straight to hell. He does not owe us salvation because none of us deserve it. Let's walk up to Jesus and ask him about that. In Luke chapter 13, First five verses. There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered them. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. 
And Jesus went on. Oh, or those 18 on whom the tower there in Jerusalem, in Siloam, fell and killed them. Horrible accident. Do you, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Because sin has invaded every heart. And God is holy. And judgment is pending. And God's choosing to save Israel by the blood, it does not make him unjust when he enacts justice on the Egyptians. God's sovereign choosing of Israel here does not keep anyone out of heaven that wants to go to heaven. Nor in God's sovereign choosing individually to who would come to faith in Christ. It keeps no one out of heaven who wants to go there. Because if God left people to themselves, then none would seek Him. No, not, not even one. Romans 3. If He had not chosen us, then we all would have continued in our rebellion against Him until the day we die. But the gospel is that he in his loving mercy said, and you can see it in Exodus, put the blood on the doorposts. This is the way I will deliver you from my judgment. Judgment hangs, which goes to the second point here. God himself appointed a way of deliverance from his judgment through the blood of a substitute. God was specific in his instructions on that Passover night. It wasn't cheap. A lamb or a goat. Every family had to sacrifice one and then they would consume it. They would eat it that night ready to march and to go out. If a family was too small, that they could join with another family and share the one lamb. But the blood of that lamb had to be painted on the doorposts of that home. And the blood is clearly a type. It's a shadow, it's a pointer to the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood was poured out in death on the cross as a substitute for sinners. As 1 John 2, 2 says, He, Jesus, is the propitiation, that, that blood sacrifice where 
God's wrath kills him. He's the propitiation, John says, for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. In other words, this offer is extended to every sinner, Jew or Egyptian. Jew or non-Jew. Only the propitiatory blood of Christ can divert our just due. No other way. Only His blood can deliver us to enjoy God as His chosen people forever. Which brings us to the third point. God's way of deliverance through that blood must be applied to the doorpost by faith in order for it to be effective for you. To be delivered through the Passover blood, Moses and the Israelites had to trust God's word and do what he told them to do. Anyone who would have said, that's kind of stupid. That's not logical that sprinkling blood on the lintel and the doorpost of the house is going to protect my oldest son from dying. And they don't do it. That son would die. And it also wouldn't have been enough just to say, oh, yes, I believe. I believe God said that. I affirm that. But you don't apply the blood? That's a false faith. That's a faith without the obedience that, you're having, that you said you had faith in. Judgment would come. To be saved from the destroyer, the person had to believe God's warning by applying the blood. Let's just hear the verse again. By faith, there it is. It's the only way it's applied. By faith. He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. To be saved, you must apply the blood by faith. Believe it. Trust in Him. In other words, you, you, you must Come to a heartfelt recognition that you are a sinner who deserves God's judgment of the death angel. You must abandon all trust in yourself, in your good works, 
in your parents' religion. You must trust in Christ and in His blood as God's payment. Not for sins, but for your sins. All right, let's briefly go to verse 29 now. Because having, if you see the picture here, the shadow, being delivered from God in His judgment, becoming a Christian, the blood's applied. That does not mean you are now exempt from overwhelming problems throughout the Christian life. Any more than Israel was. No more problems as they marched out of Egypt. Verse 29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Now, it is true. If Israel would have stayed in Egypt and had garlic and onions and all that delicious soup, they would not have been in this mess that they got in at the Red Sea. Some of the unbelievers already sarcastically said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? But in fact, Moses is not the one who led them to that horrific situation. God did. God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh with his army would go after them and pin them against the Red Sea. It is by God's doing in His direction that there they are. The Egyptian army Behind them in the Red Sea in front of them and they're doomed. Unless God would intervene, which he planned to do. They had to learn again and again the lesson that salvation is completely from God. That there is no human ingenuity or any kind of scheme that was going to get them out of this problem now. Total dependence upon God was their only option. So as they stand at the Red Sea in the Egyptian army, God is holding them back with the cloud. We read this in Exodus 14, verses 21 to 22. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and Yahweh drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry land. The waters being a wall to them on their 
right hand and on their left. And once they got through the sea, he removed the cloud where the Egyptians couldn't see so that they would rush in fury after them into the sea so that God would bring the waters down and kill all of them in the sea. And the result was that a helpless, defenseless, unorganized, I don't know, roughly two million slaves were delivered from the powerful Egyptian army. No wonder we sing, nothing is too difficult for you. Oh, Yahweh. The Passover into the life of Christ in him into sanctification in Red Seas and deserts and trial after trial. It is God's mercy by the blood of Christ all the way that delivers his So, the lesson, I think, is clear. By faith, apply the blood to the doorpost of your life. And you say, I have. I've been his for years. Yes, and keep on marching out of the world, out of Egypt, in the journey of this Christian life as true Israel, dear believer now, knowing, knowing this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The blood of Christ is not, not only the, the covering of the blood, it is God himself supplying the blood sacrifice for you, demonstrating his love for you. And so Paul is our model. I've walked out of Egypt. The blood's been applied to the house of my life. Judgment is removed. But I'm still here on earth. And there are Red Seas. In wilderness wanderings. And there is the blasted enemy of my own sin nature. And Paul says, as we should, I have been crucified 
killed with that lamb. Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith. By faith in the Son of God. You've got to hear Paul. Who loved me. And gave himself. For me. We are to take that self-giving act of our Passover lamb very personally. As we say, he loved me. He gave himself up for me. So, as the writer has drawn us back to the book of Exodus to see this historical event, Don't miss the love of your Savior in the context of judgment. Don't miss seeing the beauty of that Passover night in Egypt under Moses. Because it's there that the depth of God's love toward the elect is foreshadowed. It's pictured. So this morning, if you are one who, by faith, have had the blood of Christ smeared over your sins, then this Passover is about you personally. And this is why in a few minutes we're going to be celebrating the Passover meal of Jesus. The bread and the cup. Why we who have come to faith and have made that public confession through baptism will freely partake, hold them, pray over them together. Looking back to that Passover in Egypt. Looking back to the slain lamb, God's very son for us. So briefly before we do that, let's just put that all in a nutshell. What is that? Those of us who in this world say, yes, I've come out of the waters of baptism alive with Christ. My, there's my profession of faith. What in the world? How does that happen? How are you, Israel? That way. Well, it is every one of us who believe, who, who, who cleave to Jesus, because what's happened is by His grace, we have acknowledged our sin, and it is my sin. Joe's and no one else's that cuts me off from my Creator. Not just the idea of sin in general. 
It is my rebellion and hard-heartedness that demeans the worth of Christ. And that means that every believer, they are people who, we say, our plea is not, God, give me justice. Our plea is, give me mercy. And then we see the the Passover night. We hear the message of what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We see the suffering of Jesus. And for whom is that blood of Christ applied to the doorpost? Well, here's the way Jesus said it. One way He said it. The Son of Man, referring to Himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom price for many. So that's the big question. Am I in a home that sacrificed the lamb and, and applied the blood to the lintel and to the doorpost? Am I part of the many of Israel who did that? Am I part of the many that Jesus talks about? Am I a part of His church? His body? for which He died. And then our text answers that question in verse 28. By faith, He kept the Passover. I believe and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Or as the jailer cried out at midnight to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved from the death angel that's coming? Answer, believe in the person, his work. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Or as Paul writes, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved or is that most famous of biblical verses says, for God, He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever would believe won't perish. The death angel. But will have eternal life. That's what happened to any of us who have come through those waters of baptism in our profession. Our hearts got swayed. And we embraced the Lamb of God. We welcomed His blood shed in death as our substitute. And thus we find 
as he starts to tell us how it all happened. That the love of Jesus was very specifically toward me. When he went willingly to be slaughtered. And thus we say, he loved me. And he gave himself up in death for me. That's what this miracle of becoming a Christian sees. That's what faith, which is the miracle, sees. He paid the highest price as the eternal Son of God, becoming a human being to be the Lamb that Exodus foreshadowed in order to give to me the greatest gift possible. God, through mercy, himself forever. Or to put it this way, that gift that he gives to us who believe is what Jesus prayed for, ours before he was that sacrificial lamb. John 17. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given to me, may be with me where I am, so that they would see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And in our Passover's suffering and his death, quote, by faith, we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that's why we, who have been baptized as our public confession of clinging, believing in Christ, that's why we partake of the Lord's Supper. Partake of the Lord Jesus' last Passover. Let's pray. Lord, you have prepared our hearts through your word, by your Holy Spirit, continue to work in us your blood, your death, your sacrifice is our only plea. And we put all of our confidence in your faithfulness, Holy Father, to that blood sacrifice.
to the glory of Jesus' name. Amen.